Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. When you look at the headlines regarding the United States foreign policy, the headlines are always about China and Russia. Where does Africa place in the midst of all of that beyond the headlines? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, Africa is one of those very important rising places around the world. You only have to look to China and Russia, who seem to be racing to stake out their place in Africa. The U.S. seems to be trying to play catch-up just a little bit. The Biden administration wants to uh, expand the G20, an important announcement, to include uh, the African Union. But what would that move do for national security? All of those dynamics. Uh, As always, we look to Olivier Knox, national political correspondent and anchor of the Daily 202 at the Washington Post, uh, to help us break all of that down. Olivier, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Great to have you back on. And so as uh, the president uh, looks towards Africa, uh, what is he doing to make sure that Africa doesn't feel like we are so hyper-focused on China and Russia that uh, we don't really see them as uh, important or strategic? Well, boy, this week the president is hosting a three-day summit with African leaders uh, in Washington. Um, as you noted, he's uh, he and other officials have been trying to send a message that these are alliances and partnerships that the United States values in and of themselves, not merely as vehicles for um, uh, advancing America's policies towards China and Russia. And so he's sitting down this week. Uh, the first session that he's going to chair is basically an Africa agenda. Uh, in other words, an agenda set by African leaders, not by the United States. Um, and uh, we expect to see a number of announcements. He's already announced a, uh, a coordinator to implement whatever the summit uh, uh declares are the new goals. It's a career diplomat named Johnny Carson is well-regarded on the continent. Uh, And we expect to see some kind of an announcement about presidential or vice presidential travel to sub-Saharan Africa Mm. during this three-day summit. Oh, fascinating. Uh, That will be an interesting thing. Uh, That's not an area, again, that we've seen a lot of uh, Air Force One landings uh, taking place. Uh, It is a place of uh, 1.3 billion people. Uh, So clearly there are uh, big issues and big challenges going on there. Anything else that you're watching for as it relates to the summit specifically? Well, there are a couple things that I want to see. I mean, one of the most successful American bits of foreign policy ever was George W. Bush's PEPFAR, the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief. I'm very interested to see whether uh, this administration builds on uh, W's public health initiatives. That's very interesting. The um, uh, African Growth and Opportunity Act, uh, which 
streamline the import-export process with Africa. I want to see if they build on that as well. And then there's the question of whether the administration um, expends all this goodwill and then gets some back in the form of more African countries supporting condemnations of Russia for its expanded war in Ukraine. So these are some of the things. And I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan and follower of presidential travel, and it would certainly would send a message if President Biden undertook a significant trip to Sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah, I think that would be a, a game changer, a really significant one. I agree in terms of that travel. It sends uh, countless messages there. Uh, I want to get to one side note within uh, this context of, of Africa, China, Russia, uh, and that is just where the American focus is is uh, you pointed out in the 202 today uh, that there are other nations besides a lot of those in Africa, uh, including places like France, that are saying, yeah, we don't, we're not sure the United States thinks we're all that important anymore. Uh, they seem to be focusing everything on uh, and China and Russia. You know, the French President Emmanuel Macron just wrapped up a state visit to Washington, and it was all uh, all hugs and kisses and, and, and kind words for the most part. But he did have some pretty pointed messages for Washington as well. One is um, that the, the two of the president's significant domestic agenda achievements, the so-called CHIPS bill and the Inflation Reduction Act, which provided significant incentives for uh, electric vehicle uh, manufacturing in the United States, are a problem for a lot of American allies who don't qualify for those incentives. Mm. Um, and so he warned, he warned that, the, that the president's domestic agenda might fracture the West. And then, as you alluded to, he also warned that um, there's a he said there's a risk. He called it a risk that the United States will uh, will look at transatlantic relations through the prism of great power competition with China. And he said that that the risk was that that would turn um, the relationship into what he called an adjustment variable, which is sort of a fancy way of saying that the United States would uh, uh, cultivate relations with Europe uh, only really in a way that reflected its interest in the competition with China, and that would not be good for either side of the Atlantic. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately... We're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and, it, and then I moderated, sorry, I moderated no. a panel at the Reagan National Defense Forum uh, a couple of days after Macron's visit. And the, uh, the Singapore defense minister, uh, Dr. Uh, Ning and Hen, basically said the same thing. He, he talked about Singapore's lasting support for the American military presence in the Pacific, talked about Singapore's long support for America's counter-communism campaigns, and then for its anti-terrorism campaigns. And basically he said, you've got to give us more um, than just your concerns about Taiwan. We need to see deeper economic integration. So it's not just Africa. It's actually two of America's most stalwart allies and partners who are worried that concerns about China are going to dominate 
um, uh, relations in a way that is not good for the bilateral relationship. Uh, it, it's so fascinating. It just shows how complex uh, all of these relationships can be. We often talk about presidents wanting to focus on domestic issues, but they end up spending most of their presidencies dealing with a lot of the uh, things that happen internationally. Uh, and this is one of those – I think this is one area where the president is going to both be tested and where I think he has opportunities – uh, is because I think we live in this age where the ability for a leader to deal with both allies and then strategic alliances uh, are, are really crucial. And even in relating to places like China and Russia, we actually are obviously head to head with them on a host of things. And we also need to be uh, allied with them as it relates to North Korea. Uh, and so it just shows how complex that is. And uh, I think it's a, a fascinating thing to watch and, and, and to see how President Biden maneuvers through all of those uh, different strategic points. Yeah, and I'm watching to see how they resolve the tensions over the Inflation Reduction Act, over the incentives for electric mm. vehicles. We've seen a lot of Americans, partners and allies in Europe and in Asia complain about that particular piece of legislation. And the, the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative has been saying, you know, well, we're working on it, we're working on it. The White House is saying we're, we're going to we'll find a way to make the allies happy, et cetera. But uh, there's a very real chance that they won't. Uh, there's a very real chance that it's going to be difficult to bend the what's called the rulemaking process to alleviate the tensions with mm-hmm. other countries that want to be part of you know global electric vehicle production. Uh, the complexities, the complexities. <laughs> always the challenges there. Olivier Knox, always insightful, always gets me thinking about seven more questions I'm going to ask you next time. <laughs> Olivier, thanks so much for joining us. Great insight. We really appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me. All right. Uh, that's Olivier Knox from The Washington Post. Always appreciate his perspective. I love the way he just very methodically thinks through and connects the dots on all of these things. And you can just see how quickly things become so complicated internationally, where we have places like France, who's questioning how committed we are to transatlantic relations because they think we're too focused on rivalries with China and with Russia. Uh, you have Africa, all of that. Uh, now you have Singapore saying, hey, we need some attention, too. Uh, and this is part of the challenge of leadership and being able to navigate that and have the focus in the right places and spaces. And as Olivier said, relieve the tensions on some of those things President Biden and his administration have done here at home to be helpful, but have caused some angst and some frustration and, and stress for our allies around the world. It continues to be a challenge. And so we'll continue to think again. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.